0: Part of the reason our inflation is starting to look good is because everything was so bad this time last year, right? So to say we're only yeah. up 4%, 4.3% this March compared to last March. Well, remember, last March was when things started to go crazy, like in every respect. Yeah. So next month being, you know, when when the April figures come out, we're going to look really good again by comparison. It was
1: really high last yeah. time.
0: So to be like, oh, we're only up 4.3%. It's like, well, because this time last year we had gone up 8.3. So really compared to 2021, we're still up 12%. It's still bad, but it's, it's just, holistic. it's bad at a slower pace. Be like, oh, I only gained one pound this year because I gained 20 last year. Like, is that good? Like it's, well, it's uh, 95% less than last year.
1: When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.
0: Live from Costa Rica, our boy Sunil. the sun is for <laughs> sunshine. Uh, Neil I, is for Neil. Sunil, what's going on? Not too much. I some uh, hiding note in- um, uh, Of course it's immediately immediately you cut out there so we're off to just a phenomenal start here. Is it super choppy? Uh, it's in and out. I like how like your face will just freeze at like a great great moment hopefully. <laughs> we're gonna put a picture up for me instead. Yeah, I think that's gonna be the play. Um, I like listen. We gotta keep some of this great content off the top because it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> listen. Oh, check this out, Neil. There you can see this. Yeah. Oh, we got the sponsorship. I see a box. Coming. It's uh, it's um Manscape. Our sponsorship that we're gonna so. Oh. Everyone listening to exciting. this, we are gonna have a promotional thing where you can get this discount, this promo code. But first, promo code, I should say. Uh, but first, we have to thoroughly test the product um, yes. so I'm gonna test it uh, I've I've, I've, begun, heard good reviews. I've begun testing it already um, oh, we can TMI? actually see some of the results there in the background of Neil's screen that's uh, from no um, <laughs> there's like some straggly uh, what is that in the background
1: it's a decor item for a
0: house yeah it looks like uh, the remnants of my manscaping um so follow up for that promo code uh, what's going on man you're living large there Not too much.
1: Uh, Yeah. So came down again. Planned community. Um, Really beautiful. It's focused on like it's a walking community. You park and then all the homes are dotted throughout. Um, So I just like to come here, get a little relaxation in. I also want to check out some multi-units because I heard uh, that there are some crazy deals to be had. uh, But I'm not seeing them as much like as i run through the numbers it doesn't seem um as comfortably lucrative as i'd want it to be Uh, additionally um it's very predicated on airbnb Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes COVID's done but who says there's not something else like that to happen again yeah um and they might not say last three years but it might last six months which could be enough to put a building upside down right so yeah
0: um I think if you do something it's, like it's that... It's also a
1: very different market.
0: Yeah, I think if you do something like that, you have to first and foremost do it for yourself. Like it, it, plan on spending a lot of time there yourself. Yeah. And then effectively, you've got to run the business almost independent of any of these short-term rental sites. Like you have to build a client base, like a repeat client base of people who go down yeah. every year so that you can fill major parts of your calendar. Because I think you're right. If you're reliant on the short-term yeah. rentals for something as niche as like, hey, come down to this gated community in Costa Rica. It's a, it's a long trip to get here and all these... Um, it's going to be hard for Lana that. You have to want to do it for yourself first and then um, maybe network or, or almost create your own little private timeshare. But uh, listen, man, uh, because yes. the connection is, is not super great and because we want to pound a lot of content uh, through here, let's dive right into it. Yeah. And I'm going to start with your boy. Okay. I don't know if you saw this because I know you've been living under a, a very nice rock down in Costa Rica. I have. But um, Elon was, was taken on CBC uh, and said he wanted to identi- identify them as government... Uh, funded media or government controlled media, state media oh, okay. on Twitter to which CBC came back. And I, I don't know if they're thinking they're flexing or like proving what they're like, we are less than 70% government funded. So Elon identified them as 69% government funded. <laughs> <laughs> so Elon's taken on CBC. I know you love, uh, I love Elon. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um,
1: I mean, so I respect the fact that he just like goes for the stuff. Like that's my biggest thing is the concept of like just do it. Same thing with investing in any business, and he does it. It doesn't always mean it's gonna be right. He's still a human at the end of the day. Um, I did see now that you say that. I remember seeing a story about like state-owned media's, and it had like Russia, China, and like a couple other places and in Canada, Canada yeah, and yeah, North Korea or something. And I was like, oh, that's a that is an interesting one. And it is kind of funny that CBC came back and was like. Under seventy percent, and it's like okay, so more than that's it's not still, a that's a majority. Yeah, if you said under like fifty or under forty, it'd be like okay, like there's an, there's something there. Yeah, um, but as a majority shareholder, it's like okay, so it's it's government run, and you probably could not make it profitable. So they sold some portion of it out,
0: and then it's also um, like okay, so say it's say it's sixty five percent government funded, then the other thirty five percent, it's a media company. So at the end of the day, the other thirty five percent is advertisement. So, like, and then the advertisers tend to target based on what the listening demographic or the viewing demographic is. So, you do Mm -hmm. get some sort of potential um, positioning of that media source based on their funding. And then, in turn, the advertisers who want to be aligned with that, you know, with, with, with that setup, right? So, Um, I don't know. I'm torn on this a little bit because I've liked CBC over the years quite a bit. And I remember when there's all these calls to defund the CBC, I'm like, I thought that's so ridiculous. But then the more you think about it, like, yeah, I mean, it's this great idea to have this um, public, unbiased, arm's length, news source that unites a very large country that for a long time was very sparsely populated. And you couldn't get Mm -hmm. this um, source that was almost, almost universal but I think we've maybe outgrown that idea. Like, I feel like if we can support three, how many different sports channels do we have? Well, I guess we have Sportsnet and, and TSN, like if we can support two sports nets and like a bunch of other random, like, couldn't we support a national news? And I know other companies like CTV, they're producing national news at this point. And, um, yeah, so I, wonder. it's also kind of, I think it's kind of, Yeah, but you, if you
1: looked at the stats of like what, uh, some of the YouTube YouTubers and podcasts get for viewership on some of their, Episodes, if not a lot of their episodes, it probably outpaces a lot what CBC has. So there's almost that part that maybe it doesn't have as much influence as we think. Um.
0: Yeah, and it's probably dropping. Dropping. I think they do so much good for the arts, though, right? Like because with CBC and CBC two on the radio, for example, and and this is across radio. Like there's certain quotas that you have to hit of Canadian content, but CBC obviously has way higher standards, and they hit so much Canadian content, which is a lot of money then generated for those artists. But even that, it's like, well. If you look at people who are involved in the arts, they tend to skew certain directions when it comes to their political, you know, positions. Yeah. And so um, it it does tend to have a left-leaning narrative. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm yep. tiptoeing around it, but like CBC tends yep. to lean that way. Um, yep. And it gets perpetuated because then their audience becomes that, so then... Um, you know, they, they target content towards their audience and then they support people in the arts and the arts often do lean a little bit more left. And, um, then even journalism in, in general tends to be a little bit left leaning as it comes from art institutions and university. We've talked about university before and all this stuff. Anyway, it's interesting, but your boy Elon called them out and it's all been pretty funny.
1: I wonder, I'd be cool to like to tie it back to us it'd be look up how many, uh, like real estate based, um, news articles and interviews in that plan was. Like, was it opposing development? Was it opposing landlords? And some that also, like, explained how, like, versus, like, landlord costs that they're facing or the permitting issues that are taking place yeah. or, like, some of the public housing challenges that are going on. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that impacts for, just for our own
0: yeah
1: Yeah, uh, totally.
0: knowledge. I think it'd be great if they had had some sort of ombudsman or something that was arm's length that said, you know, this is how the content of your media could, could be categorized. I think that'd be really interesting. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if, if we are going to have this and if it is going to be taxpayer funded, I think that sort of transparency would be necessary. I find they've done a much better job of showing both sides of, of the real estate conversation recently than they had maybe in the past. Um, Yeah. You know, and and whether or not that's just realizing, like, oh, we are under a bit of a microscope now. We need to be mindful of that. But um, I think some accountability there and and some tracking of it would be would be super interesting. I mean, it's a very utopian idea. Like, if done correctly, a completely unbiased, representative, um, spin-free news source that just stated the facts would be phenomenal. But we know that like that's not very marketable. Um, so they've got to to their audience i mean that's the point. idea
1: of like twitter and youtube and these things but it's again everything there's going to be some sort of bias with people that own it and like i was watching an interview regarding twitter for, with elon and i think they mentioned that like he banned some people and it's like well is that free speech again because now you're banning people, you're people that you personally you personally don't yeah. like yeah um but anyways I'm, if anyone out there uh, has the knowledge or knows someone that does for data scrubbing, so that you can go through and pull all the articles. We could put together a little chart to show. Um, I'd be super interested, just in general, to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, because it's it's very tough to obviously scan through and see everything when these websites now have gotten so large and there's articles for probably 40 years online. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would love to dig into that and, and just see uh, what the overall sentiment has been. Because at the end of the day, fear sells. Like it, it, it always does.
0: Well, also, like I know because I looked into the possibility of even getting our podcast. Um, you know, maybe picked up on CBC up podcast on, on, on yeah. CBC Podcasts or something like that, and um, they're so focused on representation of a bunch of different things that really yeah. like financial and real estate and economics, no interest in it whatsoever. Um, yeah, other things, you know, maybe more geared towards you know mental health and um, you know traditionally less represented groups, bigger yeah. business, right? Like like big bigger um, bigger yeah. focus on that, and and some of that is also what's already out there and what isn't out there as much, right? Like, so these are all well-intentioned mandates or quotas or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Elon's, Elon's
1: stirring. He's stirring yeah, yeah, he's Canada stirring now. that
0: pot. Other crazy news, and this is really important stuff. And, and we touched on a little bit on social media already just to get it out there. Um, everyone expected the bank of Canada to keep rates steady. The overnight rate stayed at, at yes. 450. Uh, that was kind of the worst kept secret going. Like they signaled that they were going to do that. The market was expecting them to do that. They said overtly that, was oh, that a bird, a little bird tweeting in the background. Did you hear that? Yeah. heard a little bird. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The window's open in front of me. Um, I'll let you know when like a pigeon smokes the side of the building. That's what we got here. <laughs> or a seagull. Um, yeah. So everyone knew that those overnight rates were going to stay. Um, and I sort of wondered if they had a little inclination as where the StatCan um, inflation numbers were going to be, because that followed shortly thereafter, and inflation is down to 4.3%. Again, I don't know if you you, you followed that, but that's
1: Saw a little significant, bit of that, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, down from 5.2% previous month. So inflation coming in at 43 for March is pretty damn good. Uh, Bank of Canada has been very transparent about targeting a 3% inflation rate and, and really what countries look for is inflation between 1% to 3%. That's considered sort of sustainable. Um, yeah. And I thought they would never get to 3% by the end of the year. But damn, man, like we're here, that's only three months in because it's, it's lags by month. So we're three yeah. months in, they're down to, to, to 4.3%. Um, And it's always interesting because now we have a state where like the inflation is less than the overnight bank rate. Yeah. sort of a tipping point, right?
1: I, I would think so, yeah. It's also like there's that, there's downwards momentum now because they've sucked a bit so much money out of the economy and so even at this point has it gone too far we can't tell because like we've always talked about there's a 90-day lag mm-hmm.
0: and so it's like more, if really. we
1: stay at the if we stay at the current pace like we lost a percent in the last quarter yeah. or last 30 days
0: uh well effectively in that last 30 days because that the it was 5.2 so in in february now it's 4.3 in, in
1: a month and a half technically we'd be at target
0: mm-hmm. yeah we're
1: lagging 90 days so we could easily shoot past the target um, right, right. So it's like, well, here's where I, why, I, how do they balance that? But
0: here's where, why we're not going to shoot past the target is, um, oil is back up again so far this month and it was down in March. Yeah. Uh, and food yeah. prices are still going running amok. They're still up like 9%. Uh, and that's pretty yeah. big. And the last one, and this is the ironic thing that I, I touched on really briefly in that short clip, but it, it warrants further mentioning part of the main component of these numbers, like the the consumer price bundle and, and the, the, the core inflation components are housing expenses. And that yeah. includes the mortgage payment. And so these higher rates have driven up mortgage payments, which in turn have raised average costs for individuals, which is being reflected in higher inflation. So ironically, these same interest rates that push down the economy over mm-hmm. here uh, and bring down inflation, um, there's also this up. element of it being pushed up because of the in cost, increased cost of of you know running your household or or living in your house,
1: and again, I think okay, I've talked about it a bunch of times, but I think it's it's on a macro scale that's more applicable now, like what's going on in the global system versus what's happening in Canada. Um, and I think it's more going prop on the currency at this point than trying to save it because it's like the housing market started to come back. it seems like with a vengeance. Um, and it seems like they could potentially start to reduce rates slowly.
0: But I think yeah. there's even,
1: probably be a bit of fear there because, it's like, we don't want it to run off any further than it has.
0: Oh, totally. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And then also, like, again, we need to try and keep the currency afloat.
0: Yeah, and I, I think they've sort of said, listen, we're not going to increase the overnight rate. Uh, we said we weren't going to, and, and we didn't, and we're not going to any time in the future. There's There's not an immediate plan for it. But they're also not saying that sucker's coming down. Right. So this overnight rate has dropped us from I think the peak was like nine point two percent or something. And we're now back at the same level of inflation as we were for August of twenty twenty one. So that's whatever, 18 months ago. Right. So Mm -hmm. this amount, this overnight rate has results. And and it it seems like it'll continue to work in this direction um, if they just leave it as it is. To your point, they could overshoot, but I don't think they have much concern about overshooting. Like, we're going to run this sucker until we get it down, and then we might ease off off the brakes or I'll ease off the gas. So for those of you out there that have variable products, be it, you know, line of credit or, or, or your mortgage or what have you, I don't think we're going to see a change in the overnight rate um, this quarter. But I, I thought maybe Q4, it's now looking like it could be Q3 that they bring that down a little.
1: Yeah. Right? could be yeah it feels like it after holding study twice and like you said numbers are reined in i not always super optimistic like i said i don't know that it's just purely like there might be bigger things at play that's i'm just like in my head i'm like yeah. really i'm like there there might be something else that's that's going to be influencing it because um, yeah, again, again there's so much stuff going perspective from a currency yeah, yeah, value yeah. and everything going on with the u.s dollar um the crypto world like i still yeah I'm, I'm, Again, I'm feeling disconnected right now because I've been about a week and a half mentally checked out. Um, so I haven't been following the de-dollarization news that was coming out. But it definitely seems like there's something that's going to change in that world. Um, and I think, I don't want to say it feels like they've already overshot, but I know chatting with a lot of people, everyone seems to be kind of feeling the pinch. Well, um,
0: what I'm super annoyed by is... Like, they did this one thing that was, like, super obvious. Like, all right, if we do this, we will kill the housing market, and that will, you know, that, we'll, 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 kill, we'll kill people's net worth, and, and we'll kill their cash flow, and that will slow down a bunch of things. But they've done nothing specific to rein in food. Like, I, I don't know what the solution is, and I guess they're hoping that everything just kind of moves well, in units. So damn, you- man, like, we're getting still smoked on the food stuff.
1: Two things I want to mention on the food side, like I don't know agriculture. Uh, and again, this is something I'd want to do some research on when I'm back. But it seems to me like farming is in full blast right now. Like I was driving through the countryside uh, in Nova Scotia and it seemed like every farm I drove by, the tractors were out. I could see people planting. I feel like I saw farmers walk in the fields like in a quite like a, a more substantial amount than i usually would like I driving mean, that same highway time. all the time <laughs> it is springtime but is it i'm no far- i'm no spring? farming
0: expert but i think you got to plant some seeds no no but my point, my point was is
1: in an earlier spring is in an earlier spring we didn't really have a yeah. winter this year
0: yeah like the ground's strict.
1: usually frosty like yeah, i've yeah. i've had snow on my birthday and that's the end of may right right so like i that's more my point is like i is are we having a warmer earlier spring and it was a softer winter so the ground didn't freeze
0: yeah, yeah, As deep,
1: yeah. so the frost is gone. Like even like yeah. the 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 lakes this year, like that's
0: true. nothing froze. They didn't over.
1: freeze. Yeah. Nothing froze over. So the like, problem is, are like, we like, be able to start producing food real early? And it's actually going to create a cat like we're going to catch up.
0: But that's good for us here, micro locally. But let's be honest, yeah. man, we're not bringing those avocados and those bananas in from you know the causeway, right? But like, it sounded
1: like everyone had a warmer winter this year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like talking to people all over the place, it seems like awesome. I'm like I'm with I you that, but I was so. just like. Again, don't know don't know what the average time and they put stuff in the ground is and I don't know what the turnovers are for crops. Um, one other thing I want to mention regarding this and this thought process, uh, for some of you guys that listen out there that know about CMHG MLI, that's where most most construction, uh, how most construction is financed. It's an insurance product offered by CMHG on the commercial side uh, for the construction of multi-units or the purchase of existing multi-units. And it basically allows you to insure your mortgage so you drop your rate and you can extend your amortization. Um, they've announced new rules coming in June where they've increased the cost of it by, I think it was 85 basis points. So let's say, what? I forget what the mortgage premium is now. So let's say mortgage premium was like 4%. It's going up to 5%. So the cost of mortgage insurance from CMHC on the commercial side is going up a substantial amount. Is that an indication that they're expecting the commercial market to re- like increase in risk? That's usually what a rate hike on something like that would entail. Mortgage insurance is... Completely priced based on a risk factor. So if they're then increasing their their cost, they're paying out on some mortgages. And so is this an anticipation for shit to come? I'm not sure if you saw that release, but
0: no, I didn't. But that's going to be ruinous for new construction.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be another hurdle for new construction, and that's why I'm like, why would they do what that? Would would they we, do everyone it? knows that the house, well, see, and this, is what I'm like, is it is there? There's bigger force at play. It's like we need housing, but on the flip side. We can't like we're about to face a ton of payouts on mortgage loss because of of where the economy sits.
0: That's what you think based on them. That's through. what I'm but thinking, like,
1: and that's what that's what that oh would indicate. Right? Like what when are an insurance goes up, it means risk risk costs. It's going to go up. Let me let me double check. You still hear me when I open my emails?
0: I think so. Are you opening your? You emails hear me now?
1: now? Yeah, yeah. I hear okay, you. Okay, perfect. So CMHC premiums are increasing by 85 basis points for all standard mortgage insurance, including students and retirement. So, and this is for premiums on CMHG, standard rental housing, MLI select, retirement, supportive housing, student housing, single room occupancy programs. So they're increasing that by 85 basis points.
0: Right on the rate. Uh, and, right on the rate that they're giving you.
1: Well, no. So on the, on the cost of mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance, I think, okay, I think okay, it's okay. on that. So like mortgage insurance is 4% of your loan value. Right. Now right. it's going to be 4.85. Damn, um, and 155 basis points for MLI select loans. So you're going to pay 1.55% more on your MLI select loan, um, which is what you would use. I used, I'd say probably for definitely more than half of the market for construction out there to build apartments. If not, what was like it before? Seventy percent. What was the uh, I'd before? have to pull up the MLI select
0: premiums here, but I think they were in the what the hell. MLI. So that's for, a, that's a big hike for 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 those of you kind of um uh unsure like what exactly we're talking about. Um, so one of the things that has been like pushed to try to keep housing more affordable is allowing people to buy existing stock with longer amortizations. And if the amortization is longer, that means the mortgage payment is going to be lower. um, And in exchange for this privilege, you have to then keep the rents or a certain portion of the rents lower. Right. And this was viewed as a, as a way to keep existing housing stock closer to, what it had been previously from an affordability standpoint. Uh, And then from new construction, it's like, well, damn, it's so expensive to build new construction. You'd have to charge a fortune just to make it worthwhile. Uh, And it costs a lot of money in terms of down payment and all this stuff. Well, again, we'll amortize it over a longer period of time and we'll give you a slightly lower rate uh, in order to make it feasible. And again, a portion of the new product will be affordable. But then that's all out the window if they start jacking the rates like putting these bigger rate premiums on the supposedly discounted products. So again, these are are things that were intentionally set up to try to help affordability and to try to help the construction of new stock while maintaining existing older stock. And there's just now this extra premium cost on it, which it was razor thin and very difficult to make these things make sense anyway. And now there's, there's just that, but we'll have to unpack that. um, Again, more in detail. And that's kind of some, Nerd level stuff that not everyone's going to care about, but it yeah it's going to But you're just you're I mean just it does apply
1: from most people even on the purchase of like a yeah. they're not they're not doing single family homes, but everyone would, would know what CMHC is from a yeah. single family home. Yeah, it's yeah. effectively a similar product for commercial, um, but they're now hiking that premium. I can't find the premiums here, and I think it's because there's so there's so many variables that impact like location, right. um, demographic of who's living in there, affordability criteria. Like I think it's a very mm, right. uh, large. Uh, wheel that it has to go through to figure out or great at least to, to get the number. But regardless, uh, 1.55 basis points or 155 basis points is a lot, uh, to add on to a loan. If you thinking it's $10 million, $20 million, which most construction projects at this point would be like no, a 30 a million, gonna be 10 million bucks. Yeah. All day. So yeah. Jeebersome. Anyways, I saw that and I just, again, my that's more, disgusting. my biggest thing to come out of it is obviously the cost sucks, but if insurance goes up in costs, that's an indication that risk is increasing. And the likelihood of having to make loss payouts isn't going up. Is that already happening? I haven't seen it as much in the Canadian news that buildings are going belly up or construction projects are going belly up. At least no, not yet. No. Or is it that they're expecting that to take place?
0: I think to some degree they're looking at their exposure and like, well, damn man, like we're only these people are only gonna only have five percent equity in the property on the new construction <laughs> stuff, or like fifteen percent mm-hmm. equity in you know, in, in, in a building at a time where rents are at an all time high? It's like, what Mm -hmm. if rents dip, right? Like that's a really real possibility. Like we went over these numbers last week. I think we're comparing, you know, some of these rents around the world compared to what we pay here. And I've got some more numbers on that right now. Like there's a world in which rents start coming down. Ironically, by doing this and making it harder to build more stock, you're going to kind of preserve these high rents. And in Toronto, they just broke through the $3,000 threshold, like the average cost of a purpose-built rental in Toronto now is over $3,000. So when I say Jesus. purpose-built, I mean like not a basement apartment, you know, not like a small little conversion or whatever. I mean like they built an apartment building, they put it for rent. The average rent in Toronto now just passed $3,000. Um, and the studios... That's insanity. The studios now, the average rent for a studio uh, is 2124 A one-bedroom is 2484 The only units that have averaged under $2,000 in Toronto have been micro-suites, which are under 300 square feet. Guess how much? 1957.
1: 1993. So
0: for a micro unit, under, yeah. The, and, and those have actually and, increased in popularity. The smaller units, the smaller size units are actually seeing bigger rental increases quick more quickly than the larger units. Um Because, because it, it's just are, the only thing that's affordable. And again, we talked about this on our last episode about like, why are these units getting so damn small? It's like, well, that's actually what the consumer wants. And it helps the developer because again, the cost of construction going through the roof. Uh, So another thing that made me want to I don't know what
1: the, the people want.
0: Being oh, people sorry, want. sorry. It's not what's want. It, it's, it's, they're given what two they options. Need. like the that's what they need. It was, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the option, the closest an option that could to be palatable. Uh, I saw another um, post where it said, you know, we treat housing construction the same way we treat s- smoking. Like the government t- doesn't really want people to smoke, but they're like, all right, what we're going to do is if people choose to smoke, we're going to tax the shit out of it. So one, mm-hmm. at least as they're smoking, we make a lot of money. And two, because, you know, they put a drain on the healthcare system, we're supposedly recovering some of that. And maybe if we tax it enough, what will happen? It'll discourage people from smoking so much. You know, of darts costs so much. So maybe we're going to discourage people from less living? Darts. Well, 25% of the cost of a new construction building goes towards taxes. Maybe more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's the sort of thing you do if you don't want people to do the thing they're trying to do, if you want to discourage someone from doing something, tax them 25%, right? Yeah. So like, why are you saying something like, all right, we want everyone to do this. We definitely want you to do it. We need it. Please do it. By the way, however much it costs you, we're going to need an extra 25% on top of that. And that's, (gasps) that's from your fees. That's from your actual, you know, here we have HST, but your actual tax to do these sort of things, um, you know, upwards of 25% of the cost of construction. And this is is money that otherwise doesn't exist. Right. So it's not like, it's not like the government needs this money because it's already in the budget and that fee has to be paid. It's like, no, some entity, some corporations or some individual wanted to build housing. And they said, ah, here's a new revenue stream. We'll take 25% of that. In addition to the property tax, we're going to take in perpetuity and blah, 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 blah. Um, that's the sort of shit you do if you don't want the people to build the buildings. But don't we want them to build the buildings, or do we want to continue to have rents at three thousand dollars pop? I don't know. I can't tell. The,
1: something that would be interesting to do. Uh, what? I mean, a lot of products do, but like I know airfare. Like you pay your three hundred and fifty bucks, and you get your receipt. It shows like of that three hundred and fifty dollars base fare was one hundred and fifty. And then it says like excise tax, airport tax, all the little yeah, taxes, yeah. and has them all broken out. And then you're like, oh, I feel a little less bad. I'll pay six hundred bucks. It's not Air Canada that's bankrolling here. It's all these taxes that actually cost me to- yeah. this flight. And it'd be like, if you took your rent and then you gave the people a statement it'd be like, yeah, your rent's twenty oh. two hundred, but here's a breakdown.
0: Totally. Two hundred dollars
1: is maintenance.
0: That's an $400 ingenious is property idea. Tax, Fuck, man, start doing that. Two
1: hundred dollars is like insurance, and you like you break it all down. You're like, because actually, only like. of this that goes towards a potential profit on a bill. Like, you know what I mean? That's not a bad idea.
0: That'd be a fun thing to do once annually and just send out a letter towards every 10, like, Hey, this is how much you paid through the course of the year. This is how much went to property tax." That actually, that's a pretty cool idea, man. Um, It
1: would be, that would be like one way. And then people would be like, wait a second. Like this is, we're getting hosed. And then people will go out and be like, okay, I don't want, I don't want to get taxed anymore. Um, it's it's like anything. think times people can see physically see the tax, it then they're like, okay, I'm a, I'm a opposed
0: to this. And then maybe they might actually it. start getting angry at the government and being like, damn man, you're taking. Then the tenants going to realize that it's their money being taken for the property tax, right? Like, or, and, and we new, talked about this homes. before. We talked about this before. Like everyone, it's everyone's responsibility to pay tax in order to have everything that we have here. And the main way they mm-hmm. collect that is through property tax, right? At the municipal mm-hmm. level. You pay mm-hmm. through property tax. And if you are a renter instead of a property owner, you still pay your fair share through the property tax, which by the way is kind of friggin' fair because you mm-hmm. use the roads. Well, roads are provincial, but whatever, like you use all yeah. the amenities. Um yeah. you know, so but that would be it would draw people's attention to the fact that, oh yeah, property tax went up and now I as a tenant have to pay more. Like that is how that That's, works. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And
1: on new construction, imagine on new construction, they're like Okay, the house is listed for six ninety nine, and then you go to closing and be like, actually, it's eight uh, five. You're like, what? Wait, why? And you're like, well, I gotta add the fifteen percent HST on there.
0: Yeah, it would make they're people be like, God seven.
1: Damn. seven like a hundred and five thousand dollars on a seven hundred thousand dollar house is tax. Yeah, yeah. Like, just straight up, and you're like, yeah. So the builder doesn't get that. Nope, it goes straight through. I mean,
0: the builder gets some rebates from it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's like a, it's not it's not even one of the few percentage points on that. No, it's crazy, man. It, it's crazy. So again, so, like we treat housing the way we treat cigarettes. I thought that was a great analogy by someone. We tax yeah. them to try to discourage people to do it, and that's where we're at yeah. right now. Um, in that same lane, though, BC is doing something really interesting, similar to what we're doing here in Halifax. And we talked about this a long time ago uh, when there was the BC provincial election. Um, so they have just. Done what, what happened here too in Halifax, where the province said, no, no, we run the show now. We don't care what you municipalities decide, we're making rules that are going to overrule the municipalities. And BC is effectively banning banning single family zoning. Yeah, I mean that that I think that's kind that of makes sense. Like
1: if if you're building for all, like you again, I look at Montreal. Montreal is probably one of the more affordable cities in this country. And, like, they have a nice mid-rise. Everything's, like, three to six stories, as far as you can see, and it keeps a ton of availability. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I really... That's that's the way in a lot of European cities. That's the same thing. They they have a nice mid-rise. They don't have a ton of skyscrapers. They don't have a ton of single-family. Then you don't create this, like, disparity and, like, polarization that creates the super high prices. So... It's, it's tough, though, It's like now it's already, it's like so late into the game where it's like you have a massive yeah. city built on the single family zoning. And now it's like, you're going to have tons of neighborhoods that were basically valued based on that kind of thing. And people are going to come in and be like, yeah, I'm going to turn this million dollar house into a fourplex, which ultimately is actually going to turn it into a $1.5 million house because an investor can make it into something worth well, $5 that's million. The thing, bucks. like
0: existing homeowners can actually benefit from this, but their neighborhood dynamics yeah. are going to change. And that's like, well, what do you pr- prioritize the n- neighboring Dynamics of the existing people who have the good fortune to own a home, or trying to get more density, and they're basically saying there'll be no single-family restricted areas. You'll have to do, you know, uh, you, you can do duplex, triplex, or even a fourplex in these areas. And you can do infills and townhouses and all these things. And the cool thing about that is, like, if you want to encourage families, right? I, I hate when people go, "Oh, yeah, we we need people in Canada because our population's not growing." the reason our population is not growing is because it's not affordable to have a family here. Right. Like that's the reality of it. And um, because we're like, ah, there's only one way to have more people in Canada. It's to bring them here. It's like, there are other ways to create more (laughs) humans. I don't know if you guys know about it, but it's kind of as old as time and it's a (laughs) lot of fun. Um, You know, like, so, but, but we actively discourage, larger families here because it's, it's so expensive, but this sort of rental product, which would be like the townhouse, you know, or, you know, the, the four Uh, unit conversion that maybe they're larger units, uh, row housing, things of that nature. That's actually the hardest and most rare part of the rental market. Like there is a shortage of all stock, but there's certainly more one bedroom apartments than there are three bedroom townhouses for rent right yeah. and which one yeah. is more suited to a young family trying to stay in the city
1: yeah obviously right yeah. so
0: um, they did that in bc at the same time toronto is doing a similar thing basically getting rid of single family zoning in toronto to allow for duplexes and triplexes and four units That's and how it would also
1: bring down the barrier to entry for developers in, and totally, in totally. i think yeah. like i saw a site in, in vancouver sell the other day for a townhouse development it was seven homes in a row and it sold no it was five homes in a row and it sold for like 37 million dollars and they're all going to get torn down, and they're going to do town townhomes. And I right. was like, this isn't even for an apartment building. Yeah. Someone's dropped, splashed that much. But now it's like, okay, well, if I can do those everywhere, yeah, that $37 million lot might actually only be worth $20 million.
0: And so also I could of, buy one of the houses. I could buy one of the houses exactly. and, and, and do some of them instead of having to buy all of them together. Um, yeah. And here in Halifax, we're doing something not dissimilar in that we've effectively said every house can have a secondary unit. We're still figuring out how to yep. do it, but we're like every house can have at least one <laughs> extra unit and houses yep. in areas that were typically two units can now automatically have a third. So we're like gently yep. adding a bit of density. So to see this now happening across the country and again, trying to, to, to fill that need. Um, and I think what we need to do here more is allow for things like townhouses and stack townhouses as of right ready to go. Um, in, in what people call traditional residential areas, because I think you could still take some of these larger lots and be like, oh, well, now you can do a duplex. It's like, man, it's a 10,000 square foot lot. How can I only yeah, they, do a <laughs> duplex here? How come I can't, you know, if I've got 100 feet of frontage, how come I can't do six stack town, ta- like three stack townhouses, right? Like, and have six units there? Like, why, why not? It makes no sense. We talked, about this, we
1: talked about this before. Japan has more rental, affordable rental rates than we do. And the way they've been able to achieve it, because obviously they have insane density, is no minimum size on lots. You just right. need six yeah. feet of road frontage to fit one vehicle.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is so hilarious. So if you have yeah, yeah. 60
1: feet of road frontage, you can do 10 units.
0: This is the other thing where, like, we're doing these half measures, and it's like, oh, man, like, or do we rip the Band-Aid and just, like, give her. You know, and they always like, oh, well, infrastructure and this and blah, 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 blah. But um, I don't know, man. We, we need to do some things differently. But but the tax the, on, on building a place is, and now you're the, talking about the CMAC additional premium, like, it just means the last we're not going add- anything built.
1: No. The last thing I want to add to if for consideration is there's probably some people when they hear this that are going to be like, this is terrible because what it's actually going to do is make single family homes even less attainable. But again, that's in a We're in a constant growth mindset that rents are going to keep going up and vacancies in this day zero. But eventually these continuous changes in construction should turn over. And at some point then if rents start to drop or vacancy starts to increase It'll actually start to make these homes more affordable. Yeah, because yeah, it, that, you know what I mean. Like that's what it's, it ultimately is is going to achieve that, right? Because I think I think right now it's gotten to the point where every time they've been placed, put something in place, it's like great. So let's just made them even more expensive. Yeah, but ultimately it's going to it's going to turn the turn the corner. But it's, it's when is that, that going to happen?
0: That's the thing. It does have to turn the corner because the same thing. Like if you could green light uh, the construction of say a hundred townhouses right now in, in, yeah. in our in our particular area there's enough demand in the market right now that those 100 townhouses would probably be absorbed at today's prices. Right. Yeah. But you know, if you multiply that by maybe like 300 townhouses um, or look at all right after those absorb that, that alleviates a bunch of pressure, eventually it does come down. Right. Like, so while they sell, sell the first ones at full market value, they sell yep. the ones afterwards that they can't sell as much. Like we saw this, it didn't take much all of a sudden, the new construction houses prices were coming down a little bit. It doesn't take it that fast. much, right? It, it, it fast. happens fast. Um, but we can't get out of our own way and get the stuff built. But um, anyway, it, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating for sure. But to see some of these municipalities do this, man, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think it's super exciting.
1: I love it. I think they should be doing it. Um, and I think, wow. It, ultimately if people want single family neighborhoods that's a pretty that's a pretty big luxury to have honestly you go to any country in the world it's a pretty large luxury to have to be able to say that you just get to have some big single family space like yeah. and it's it's and for the people who like well that's a right that's not very um uh, I don't even know what the word you. is yeah it's not very effectively like you're just not thinking for anybody else it's it's plain and simple simply for yourself and again i know like there's lots of things that we all do that are just for ourselves. But being like, I need to have a 10,000 square foot plot. I need to have a big house with all these things. Your like, footprint is like enormous. You are not doing something that's sustainable at all for everybody else, whether it be sustainable in the sense of like environmentally or even just like for people to genuinely live as we're seeing. Um, or, so I think, I think that mindset kind
0: of needs a change. But Or move somewhere that's less you densely that. populated. You know what I mean? Like um, go elsewhere. Right? Like, yeah. if there are there are pros and cons of living in a city, there are pros and cons. Yeah. It, right? 100%.
1: So, or, um, and if you really expect to have that, you have to be prepared to whip out the cashola because there'll yeah. be, be neighborhoods that'll maintain single family. Because what you'll see is you'll see people there'll buy covenants and,
0: yeah, bare land condos. They'll and make and stuff them, con- like that. yeah. Exactly. It'd be bare mm-hmm. land condos.
1: Yeah. And they'll be like, this cannot change because it's bare land condo. I think you see that actually in a lot of areas in the States. They'll potentially be gated, whatever it may be. Um, And it'll keep them single family. And so it'll protect everything for you, but it'll be ungodly expensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I
1: love it. I'm into it. I I like it this way. And I think like Montreal is such a vibrant city because of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You keep, you keep young families and young people like in the core doing their stuff and it it would be great. Yeah. And I think also like there's this misconception that from a landlord perspective, like people felt like we, we somehow like wouldn't want more affordability. It's like, again, affordability right now, you need high rents in order to afford the units. But if the units become more attainable, you don't need as, as high rents. Like everyone, like ultimately cash flow is what matters, which is why mm-hmm. like we get these inflated wages right now because people need them to afford what's going on in the inflation world. Like if we could bring everything down in unison and still have people you know, enjoying what would be, I guess, the normal profit margins. I think everyone would be on board for that. Like I would be very happy to go back to my rents four years ago, provided I also had like my rates and my expenses from four years ago. Right. Like, and everyone was better off back then. Um, This is how, this is why inflation is so ruinous. And this kind of brings us back full circle as to like, hopefully we're getting this inflation down a little bit, but I did want to finish on one potentially more cynical Note with respect to that inflation. My favorite. Uh, just love just ending on a nice, uh, <laughs> note. like part of the reason our inflation is starting to look good is because everything was so bad this time last year, right? So to say we're only yeah. up 4%, 4.3% this March compared to last March. Well, remember, last March was when things started to go crazy, like in every respect. Yeah. So next month being, you know, when, when the April figures come out, we're going to look really good again by comparison. This shit was
1: really high last time.
0: So to be like, oh, we're only up 4.3%. It's like, well, cause this time last year we had gone up 8.3. So really compared to 2021, we're still up 12%. It's still bad, but it's It's just, it's bad at a slower pace. Be like, oh, I only gained one pound this year because I gained 20 last year. Like, is that good? Like it's, well, it's 95% uh, less than last year. Right, so this is <laughs> this is where people who talk about okay, inflation well say at some point I you just have to question. live with it and be like these. This is the new normal. We've had this bump, and like with with so many things, it's consistency. The dollar figure is almost moot because those things come out in the wash. Like inflation goes up, so everyone gets higher jobs, like higher paying jobs. It just it happens, and then the dollar's worth less, and whatever. We've just moved along on this weird parallel, but the predictability of one to three percent is manageable, whereas these big jumps are not manageable.
1: Do you think? Sorry, this is just an, a thought. Do you think it's going to go full circle where we go back to people, more people growing their own vegetables, um, like doing more stuff at home? That everyone, like I feel like everyone now pays for everything like service-wise. They're just like you get food delivered, you pre-cooked meals. Uh, like food well, service boxes are crazy. Everything yeah. now Manscaped, like it's it's everything comes on a weekly package. And all, but it's going to go back to like I'm going to be buying one razor and milk in that thing for six months, I'm going <laughs> to be potentially uh, growing some herbs you, at home. Thank you for cheaper. the image.
0: Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, I couldn't
1: do that. You look at, look at this. We've already talked about this. This connects all the way use one razor a day. I use one razor a day and yeah. that only does like part of my face. Yeah. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like, is it going, are we going to go back to a time, not like full aggressive where we're churning butter out in the fields? Like, I don't think that, but I mean like, right? We've been living a very luxurious life where everything's been at our fingertips. We want anything. It's always at the store. It's always been semi-affordable. Like, yeah. This concept has been there. Is it going to go to the point where people are like, I can't just go to the store and pick up fresh basil. And maybe I might start growing a little bit of it at home because it's nine ninety nine for three leaves.
0: Yeah. But then you go and you're like, oh, all right, I'm going to go to the uh, plant store and get some seeds for basil. And you're like, what it costs this much money to grow the basil. (laughs) More than the cost of buying grown basil. Um, Well, this actually leads and we're going to wrap this portion of, of the episode. We're doing these two episodes a week now, as you guys know, if you're into that format, uh, maybe leave us a comment. A couple of you have said that, that you like it. Uh, We appreciate the engagement um, in the comments from our our last week's episode and all that stuff. So we're going to keep it coming. Um, But in the second half of this, um, episode that comes out on Wednesday, we're going to talk about the declining quality of life ranking of Canada. Uh, I think we dipped, Mm. uh, I've got the numbers here somewhere. I think we were sixth in the world in 1981 and now we're down all the way to 13th. And part of the reason is about our inability to be competitive with our own domestic production. We're going to talk about that in the second half of this. That's something I know is near and dear to to Neil's heart. We're also going to have our key player of the week. So, uh, follow up next time for that. And we're going to address a couple of questions that you guys have had come in, including something about the recent rent eviction. Uh, someone had a question cause we were breaking down that model and we might even see if there's another housing deal that, that, or a flip deal or investment deal we can go over. But someone asked specifically about how that model works in an environment where uh rent evictions are getting a little bit more difficult, but you've got to. yeah, a And I,
1: I want to just add one other thing too, is we have some exciting guests coming up. Um, we're going to be covering stuff on solar uh, yeah. investing in the States um, also our Dezi, uh CEO to talk about RVs. We talked about it many episodes ago, and we've been trying to get them on, so they're coming on. Um, so we have some really interesting stuff that I think will be applicable. Solar is a big one that I'm super interested in and excited to, to hear what they have to say. I think there's more rebates out now, uh, and panels continue to get cheaper. Like, twisty rates continue to go up, and apparently it's getting sunnier every day too. So we'll also it, it's-
0: update you with uh, the discount code for uh manscaping and uh we'll keep you posted on on the progress thanks so much for watching the episode i hope you enjoyed it if you did press like don't forget to subscribe but also check us out on instagram and tiktok you can find all the links below thanks again for checking us out
1: broke a rich habits uh.
0: when i was broke a rich habits uh.